When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to this special edition of Dose of Leadership brought to you by Equity Bank. Got a great guest today. Scott Redler is on the show. He is the chief operating officer of Freddy's Frozen Custard. If you haven't heard of Freddy's, you will soon. It's one of my favorite fast food restaurants. As a stickler of customer service and passionate about culture, you've heard me talk about it on the show. Freddy's ranks up there. They understand culture. They got a unique culture. In fact, I compare them on the fast food front from culture-wise um, in an out burger it's one of my favorite. When I lived on the West Coast, uh, I was always impressed by their culture. Chick-fil-A's got a unique and intentional culture. I'm, I'm a fan of theirs as well. And Freddy's sticks is up there with them. There's something unique about them. I always have great service when I go there. The quality is always great. The food's great. The fries are great. One of my favorite fries is at Freddy's. It's based here in Kansas, and they've grown to latest tally over 340 locations. The entire chain generated 475 million system-wide sales last year, creating 21.3 million in revenue for the home office. That's about 10 million of that of profit. That's pretty impressive. Their whole team, Scott included, has decades of a restaurant experience. Scott started uh, in the food business; he's been in the food business since he's 15. He's opened and operated his own restaurant when he was in St. Louis. Uh, he's been on in senior leadership positions for multiple chains. Started a restaurant uh, steakhouse here called Timberline in the mid-90s and eventually a partner with him on Timberline. In 2002, they started Freddy's and it's been a success story ever since. Forbes recently, for the second year in a row, ranked them as the number one franchise to invest in or, or to buy. And they've got a five-year growth rate of almost 30%. Pretty impressive. And again, but what makes them unique is the culture. Scott is an operator through and through. I love talking to operators. I've been in operations most of my professional career, and Scott gets it. He's completely bought into the concept and understands the reality that it is all about the people, finding the right people, having a teacher-scholar mentality, teaching people how to fish, right, and letting them loose. Their turnover rate is so low, uh, one of the lowest in the industry, uh, so that speaks volumes. And uh, we'll talk about it here with Scott. And Scott truly understands leadership. He truly understands culture, and I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Again, this show is brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Equity Bank is a team and a bank that truly understands and knows what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been fun and exciting to watch Equity Bank grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They are now listed on the NASDAQ exchange and they have locations all across Kansas as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. Clearly, the team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And so I would challenge you, if you feel like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs I encourage you to check out my friends at Equity Bank. 
So thanks for listening. Let's join our conversation with Scott Redler, the Chief Operating Officer of Freddy's Frozen Custard, here on this special entrepreneurial series brought to you by Equity Bank. Well, Scott, what an honor to have you on the show. Welcome, my friend. Well, it's uh, truly my pleasure, and from everybody at Freddy's, we're just glad to be here with yeah, you. Yeah, I tell you, I love Freddy's. Uh, I, it's been a favorite restaurant for me and my family. Um, I love the fries. I'll, you know, we, we eat it at least twice a month. So, so which fry sauce do you use? You know, I do use the um, the. There's a garlic one. Is it no, or, jalapeno. Jalapeno. Right That's the yeah, one. Yeah, you're, like. you're a spicy guy. That's the one I like. All right, good to know. I love it. <laughs> I don't know how you get those fries tasting so good, but they are good. Um, yeah, I know how we do that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I love talking talking operations, guys. Um, I feel like that's where I, I, in all the jobs that I've had in the corporate arena, it's always been around operations. So I'm curious to dive into your mind about how you make that culture work there. Because I do think Freddy's has a unique culture. It stands out to me, and I want to learn more about that. Well, happy to share everything that we can with you. You know, when I was I was thinking about uh, this morning, and, and I, I, I'm a big customer service guy. My, my kids and my wife, I drive them crazy because I go to a restaurant, I want – Simple things. I don't, I don't, but I just see this kind of eroding in the service industries of basic service. I go to a Freddy's. What stands out to me? Freddy's stands out, Chick fil A stands out, and In N Out Burger stand out. I, I rank you up there with those. And so, what's unique about your culture? Well, first, thank you. It's an honor to be listed with those other brands. And I'm going to say one thing we don't have customer service. You're going, Scott, what are yeah, you talking what about? what is that? We have guest service. Oh, I like that. And when you when you treat somebody as if they're coming into your own home, where you truly appreciate that they're there with every decision that you make, you win. Yeah. How do you inf- how do you get that mindset throughout the entire culture? You know, it started, it has to start at the beginning, and then you've got to put the tools in place, and more importantly, the people in place that truly are, we call them Fred heads. And like if it. someone's a Fred head, and... They're passionate about the brand and passionate about the points of difference between Freddy's and all the restaurants that you didn't mention. <laughs> right. Which is more important. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and it's it's the little things too. I think even <clears throat> I think you know, like Chick Fil A's big thing was like when you say thank you, they don't say no problem. You know, yeah, no problem, no problem. Absolutely. You know, little things like that, right? And so, what are some of the little things that you focus on there? That you know, I think the the start of it really is getting understanding that. Really, the most important person and people in our organizations are the men and women that are general managers of the restaurants because, you know, that pyramid's upside down. Right. We are only as good as a, a general manager that's leading their managers and their team to do things. Uh, another term we have is called the Freddy's way and doing things the Freddy's way every day from before we open the door till after we lock them at night. Uh, that's a tough job. Yeah. And we realize that reward for it, and that's the point of difference. You mentioned that upside down <clears throat> pyramid, and we were talking about this before the recording. I, 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 I come from the Marine Corps, where their whole success model is based on pushing the decision levels to the absolute lowest level, right? Where you delegate or empower those decisions making authority. It sounds like that's what you got going on there at Freddy's. Yeah, it really has to be because a general manager even can't—they're not at the cash register every every day, every exactly. order. Uh, they're not in the kitchen making sure that our made-to-order burgers are made the correct way every day. They're not watching the custard machine to make sure that we're making fresh custard churn fresh throughout the day. They're there to make sure they hire the right people that truly are passionate about our brand and execute at the level that truly makes a difference. You know, it seems to me like <clears throat> when I think about your culture, I wonder how true this is. 
a lot of times, I mean, so many restaurants, and it's tough to, to keep a restaurant going, right? Because so many start up and so many fail. I mean, it's probably one of the highest failure rates of a, of a business, right? A restaurant. It absolutely is. Yes, you're right. And the margins are so thin, right? <clears throat> so how does how, that sustainability has always been fascinating to me. And it seems like in everybody, I think the common thing, oh, I'm going to start a restaurant. I got this great recipe that my grandma had and that everybody loved and everybody loved the taste. And they focus on the food and the quality. But to me, it's, which is to me, it's almost I'm seeing from you that that's a given, right? Yeah, that's just the baseline. Like we, the quality has to be top notch, and it gives you the freedom to focus on other things. Does that make sense? It does. So you know, you're, you're we, we call it a, a, a three legged stool, right? So I'm going to go to the easiest one first. Sanitation, of course, we have to be clean and safe for our guests. Right. That's that's a no brainer. There's no there's no yes or no there. Exactly. Uh, second is food quality. And we have systems and processes in place that our team members can execute every day, every shift, every burger. And we always make decisions to make it work better, to make our product better, to, <clears throat> you comment on fries, what makes your fries so great? We use a, a blend of seasonings to season our fries. And most people use nothing or salt. Take your time on that one. And, you know, the same thing with our, our Freddy steak burgers and when we introduce fry sauce and cheese curds and all. It's just doing things the right way with food to make sure we can execute at on a 1 to 10. We've got to execute at an 8 or better with all our food every day. Right. We're not going to put in 32 more menu items so we can be a solid 2 in execution. We want to be an 8 or better. So food's the second component. And third is hospitality. Yeah. And... You can't teach someone to be nice. Right. When I meet you, when I met you today, <clears throat> I could tell within two seconds, oh, we're going to get along great. This is going to be a fun hour of chatting. And think of the number of people that you meet and you go, yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> right. Right. So that is critical. It's, it's that, you know, the breaking point right at the beginning that you know it's right or wrong and the person's going to be good for your brand <clears throat> or not good for your brand. Right. I love the simplicity of that, and it's right. That, but there's intentionality behind it. I think that's a lot of times what people don't realize how difficult it is to be in that intentional all the time. Right? Yeah, you're, it, that's it's a great line. I mean, it, it's so simple, but it's simple one time. Mm -hmm. It's complicated when you have 350 restaurants in 32 states and one in another country to execute that same level of thought and consideration. Yeah, one thing that always amazed me from a leadership perspective, and you're talking, what is the percentage again? You got 340 plus stores now. How? What's the percentage of franchisees and company owned again? Oh, we have about 28 corporate locations. Yeah, so a huge chunk of franchise owned operations. It is, and and that's a big advantage to that is that first of all, whenever we want to test something, it's easy. We're testing okay. in our own corporate locations. We got a lot of. We are always testing. Uh, Many, many things from food to equipment to signage to whatever. And we're able to do it in our restaurants. But more importantly than that is that we treat ourselves as a franchisee. So when we're making a decision in the Big Freddy's corporate office, which there is not one, by the way, <laughs> but we have a corporate office. Um, we're sitting here. We're making a decision that's franchisee-based. And because we're making it for ourselves, too. We're, we're a 28-restaurant franchisee. So... The betterment of the franchisees is our goal, and that helps in the long-term thinking process. Right, because there are that—that that is an interesting point. Because there's so much create creative business brain power out there in that mm -hmm. franchise world, right? 
and Absolutely. to not tap into it. Sometimes some of the best ideas, I think, might come from some of these franchisees, right? And we've had it happen many times with uh, regarding rebranding and also with, um, you know, what items do we want on our um, on our list for, you know, number one, number two, number three. When, when someone's looking at our menu board, it's critical. And we've had franchisee ideas that have uh, they brought to us, and we will test almost anything. Yeah. Because we have to. Yeah. That's our job as a franchisor. And all of a sudden, we moved an item different in the lineup, and it increases sales, and it's a higher profit, higher guest satisfaction item. We won. And that win came from our franchisees. I like that approach, how you test everything, because I know I've seen in the past one of the biggest struggles is, okay, we have brand standards, and adhering those brand standards across that those multiple locations. When you've got these kind of, it's almost like herding cats, right? This creative force. And these are entrepreneurs. These are business owners. These are people that want to do things, right? And hearing the brand standards, but at the same time being open to that creative, the new stuff that, that could possibly change the business. And really the open, it's, it's great that we test a lot of things. But more importantly than that is that the door is always open for a franchisee or a team member to come in and say, hey, Scott, hey, Randy, hey, anybody, what do you think about this? And taking that and we're going, that's a unique idea. Let's talk about it. And let's try this. And, you know, we tested cheese curds. Great example. Our franchisees up north wanted cheese curds. It's part of their culture almost. And it's really a, a wonderful product when you take, you fry cheese and dip it in some fun sauces. It's a lot of fun and delicious. And we tested it in that market. It worked great. Then we said, wait a minute, let's test it now in Atlanta and Arizona and three or four different markets. And we tested there, and then we rolled out nationwide. It's a great item for us, and they're absolutely delicious. They're kind of fun to dip in uh, hot caramel, which we don't really? list as a topping. Wow. And everybody tastes them and goes, well, that's really good. But <laughs> that would never a fun thing. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, speaking of the culture there, it seems like, again, you, you – um, obviously, it's about strategy. What's the old saying? Strategy or culture eats strategy for lunch, right? Um, have you always known the importance of culture, or, or is it just – when did you start learning that? Obviously, you've been in the restaurant business since you were a teenager, and you've owned businesses, you've operated businesses, all in the restaurant field, the hospitality field. When did you start realizing how important culture was? I think it was probably um, very, very early on, still as a teenager, when you, you know, I've worked in a lot of different restaurants, everything from five-star dining to business and institutional and employee cafeterias and everything in between, and understanding the, the things that make something work are the same. There are different levels that you're talking about. You might be talking about rack of lamb on a Monday and a chicken fried steak on a Wednesday, but the components that make it work from a culture perspective are exactly the same. What I, what are those in yours? When, when I look, if I could open up your chest and see what, what drives your heart, what is it? I mean, you see, I don't know if you, how you look at yourself as a leader, but I see an authentic uh, an authentic side of you that, that you, you come from an authentic place, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. How well, I always speak my mind and um, and good or bad, and then we're past it. Um, but the important thing is that from a culture perspective, I've always understood that the most successful businesses are ones that have the best team members mm-hmm. and management. And we're very fortunate to be able to have general managers in Freddy's that have lasted a long time. It really started... Uh, when when Bill and I started uh, Timberline Steakhouse, we had a culture of stock right ownership for our general managers and understanding that the general managers are the critical position and they're going to set the pace for every day and every shift, um, setting that up that way. And that has worked wonderfully. 
And we do the same thing with Freddy's. Our general managers um, in our corporate locations only, we don't mandate it for franchisees, although a lot of them have adopted it. Um, our actual stock rights owners in their restaurant. And when you get to that attitude, you have a manager that's thinking as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And what does an entrepreneur do? An entrepreneur understands long-term expense for sales gain. And we are talking before the show on, on what works. I mean, we work for sales. We know that. And when sales go up, profit goes up. And you cannot manage costs to profitability. It just doesn't work. It's a lot easier to get sales up and drive profit that way and let the person that has the day-to-day impact of that reward heavily in that program. We do a three-tier bonus program for our general managers. Um, one's a monthly, one's every three months, and once every five, one's every five years. And we want someone thinking that when we walk into a restaurant and say, hey, we need to redo the kitchen floor, and it's going to cost $33,000. That was a today decision, by the way. <laughs> and uh, And the manager goes, absolutely, let's get it done. Let's do it the right way. Versus, you know, that's going to affect my bonus by $18 next month. Mm-hmm. No, we want someone to think long term. But the other component is Freddie's family. Yeah. So we do um, our, our reunion we do with franchisees. We call it a Freddie's family reunion. And even suppliers comment on the different attitude they experience versus going to most of them that they go to every year. You know, you said something there that it, what strikes me, um, it's a mindset that I call being goal-oriented or growth-oriented. And to me, and it's a difference between what I think are decent managers and great leaders. And to me, great leaders and what it seems like you're trying to do with your GMs and telling them is like be growth, you know, have a growth mindset. That that has a whole different, opens up a whole different realm of possibilities. It gets into the leadership realm, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And too often I see a company, you take a GM and you're like, hey, here's the binder. Here's the, the checklist. Here's everything else. Just do this and, and don't deviate out of the sandbox, right? Well, you know, there's an art and science to everything. Mm-hmm. The science of it is let's put the forms together to make sure food's safe, prepared correctly. And the art is getting someone to think like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And when you think like an entrepreneur, you're thinking, you walk in the door and you go, if I own this business 100%, yeah. what would I do today? What yeah. would I do differently? Uh, and what would I do to move my business forward and my profitability forward and my sales forward? And it's fun to watch a general manager, a new general manager, when all of a sudden you see that light bulb go on. Right. And all of a sudden, they're an entrepreneur. Right. Well, here's the good news. That entrepreneur runs one of our businesses. I love that. It's a te- What you have, I don't know if you've ever framed it this way, that's a teacher-scholar mentality <clears throat> instead of a boss-subordinate relationship. And that is so critical I think to, to I know that's, that has to be a huge contributor to your success. Well, it absolutely is. You know, getting the right people, um, it's funny. We have, we have empl- we're a 17-year-old company, and we have, oh, four to six team members that are almost 20 years because they were state, Timberline Steakhouse, and they believed in that culture. Even in 2008 when the economy was tanking, and yeah. we were too as a steakhouse, by the way, and very challenged and they moved into the new system well they believe in it they they there's no you're supposed to go to work every day and have fun and accomplish things and yeah you have tough days and tough decisions and all that we all do but the reality is you should want to wake up in the morning and go yay i get to go run a freddy's today i'm gonna have a great tuesday yeah 
which speaks to, you know, obviously finding the right people, that is the, the key to almost everything, particularly when you get as big as you are. You've got to put so much reliance on those GMs. What are you looking for when you're hiring somebody? What are some of those value traits, those leadership characteristics you're looking for? What are, what are you must-haves? Well, so um, nice. Uh, you know, you cannot teach someone to be nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my background is mostly full service. So we look for someone that can execute full service hospitality in a fast, casual environment. It's okay to be nice to people and say hello and genuinely feel nice about it and ask them how their day's going and things like that versus um, a lot of restaurants when you walk in, here's the attitude of the cashier and I can do this on mic. Yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> like, they don't say anything. Exactly. Sorry. If I would have done that, I, I typically do that in a room. And I'm quiet for 60 seconds, and everybody thinks it's 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago, and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank read something or I heard you say one time, and I like this too, I, I don't know how unique this is in the business, but I think it's probably a good contributor to your success. When you open up a brand new place, it's like you pour everything in there. I mean, it's like, so when I walk in that day one, that feels like you've been open for six months. Six months. Yeah. So you did read up on me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And it, it's so true because a guest, you know, we're forgiving to some degree. I mean, I'm a guest also. I, I dine out a lot and um, one of these days I'm going to find out where the kitchen is in my house, <laughs> right. but um, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, it, it's very important for the first impression and then the execution to continue. Yeah. And, you know, there's a term that I use called the power of consistency, and we need to deliver consistent hospitality and co- consistently craveable, delicious food that when you take a bite of a Freddy's burger, what's, what's the difference? Oh, steam is coming out because we cooked it to order for you. Right. Or you taste your fries and the first thing you do, whether you're going through the drive through or in the dining room, if you're in the dining room, when you're walking to your table, I'll bet 75% of our guests on the way from picking up their food to their table eat a fry. Yeah. So fresh and hot, there's our first impression. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Again, the intentionality behind it. I can't overemphasize the importance of it. And you said something that resonates with me deeply is the consistency piece, right? And I think great leaders are always composed, confident, consistent, and courageous. And that consistency to me is the, it's all about mindset, right? It's always being intentional, always think, always trying to improve yourself. It's being confident, not only in yourself and your abilities, 
but also in the people that you're accountable for. I don't know. So talk to me more a little about that consistency piece. What does that well, mean? Well, talking about accountability of people, I mean, Freddy's is what it is today because of the uh, 70 people in our corporate office, because of the, uh, you know, 200, three, I'm sorry, 350 restaurants times, call it 50 team members, because we've made the right decisions in that way. And that consistency, you know, I'm okay that we're not a 10 every day, but we better be an eight or better and the power of having it at that level that our guests are always being served craveable food in a wonderfully hospitality hospitality environment, uh, that is the point of difference. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge, you think, um, uh, today as opposed to where it was maybe, you know, when you first started? Or just what is your biggest challenge that, you, that you're facing every day that you wish you could conquer? You know, the, uh, the number of employees and team, new team members that are available – Nationwide, it's a challenge for our industry. Unemployment's low, mm-hmm. and there's some people that realize and are doing this as a career, and that's great. Some people doing it as a stepping stone through college or high school to make money to uh, go to college. Uh, we get all that, but the number of employees available nationwide is limited, and every segment of our industry is dealing with this right now. Yeah, you're right. The pool's probably a lot smaller, <clears throat> right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the challenges I remember having when I worked in the hotel industry and we paid our general managers, it was so tight and the pro forma was so tight. And we didn't pay our general managers. Um, there was a high turnover of that. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I said, well, we can either try to pay more and maybe track a different element. Uh, and the guy I was working for said, nah, they're, you know, at that price point, you're always going to attract a certain element. And I disagreed with him. I thought if you could make that GM feel like they're part of something special, much like the enterprise rental car model where they bring in these young hard chargers yep. from college and, and they say, hey, if you stick with us, I'm going to show you how to run a business. Well, I agree. you got to give somebody a future. And the, the number that a lot of people don't really understand is the cost to train, well, general manager is even higher, but a typical manager is thirty to $60,000 wow. to get them to the level that they need to be. And if Ben Hesse, who's our vice president of training, was in here, he'd probably raise that number. It's, um, especially for a GM, because a GM goes through all the roles to learn everything and becomes an assistant and then a general. And it takes a lot of time till you have the the history and the skill set in your back pocket ready to use mm-hmm. at any time. How, how long does it take to get a guy up to speed? You know, it varies on, uh, we promote based on quality and competency. And uh, I think we've had GMs that are, 18 months, and we've had some that are five years. We've had people, that, uh, employees that have started with us, team members that started as line cooks and became supervisors and managers, assistant managers, and general managers, and, and now are franchisees. It's a wonderful story. And, I love and it. Opening third and fourth restaurants, and we have a few of those stories out there, and now they live on the big house on, in the hill, on the hill, and uh, it's a wonderful lifestyle. It's fun to watch that. That's really rewarding yeah, to see that. Yeah, that would be rewarding. Uh, we, you said... Okay, you're looking at, I'm, I'm, I want to work at Freddy's. What it's going to take for me to be successful? You said nice. What else is there? What else are you looking for? You know, nice is the most important. We can teach, we can train almost everything. We can't train nice. Yeah. It was interesting. I had uh, lunch with a, uh, a CEO one time, and he said his favorite tactic for finding out how this person was, they'd make the interview process, then he'd take them to the country club, and they'd go, they'd eat, uh, he'd play a round of golf with <clears> them, <throat> And he'd buy him dinner in the clubhouse. And he intentionally would make 
the waiters mess up his meal and he wanted to see how the other person would react. Well, that's kind of cool. And that was his kind of litmus test. I love test. that idea. So we, we do something similar to that with franchisees. So potential franchisees have to have, obviously, the financial wherewithal to do what they say they're going to do. Uh, have to have a territory we both agree on. Have to have an operator or the ability to get an operator. And then the most important thing is, are they nice people? Yeah. Are they people that you want to go out and have a glass of wine with on a Tuesday night? And uh, so our process, we do what's called a discovery day. And the night before the discovery day, Randy and, and Mark Scholler, who's in charge of our franchising department, and myself, we take the person or group out to dinner, it varies, and we just see. And and uh, I like to see, I like that idea of having them mess up a meal to see how the other person responds. Um uh, and our favorite restaurant would probably be upset that we made them do that but because um, they don't mess up very often. Right. Um, but you can tell a lot by having yeah. having dinner with someone. Like how do they treat the wait staff, right? That means Critical. that shows you what they're going to do when you're not around, right? Absolutely right. Because you got to have that authentic, you know, you got to, the way I'm with you, I got to be the same way when the when no one's watching. Well, you're trying to give somebody, have a cocktail and you get to see their true personality comes out. Exactly. Yeah. What are your personal habits for success? What have you done over the years to, to get to, to, you know, what do you do on a daily basis for success? You know, I think uh, listening and being open to ideas is critical. Yeah. Um, there's times when you don't do that and shouldn't, but there's also times when you should. Mm-hmm. And you get to a point and let people grow. And I mean, I was in a meeting this afternoon on some various projects we have in our corporate restaurants and the person that oversees Ben Simon, who oversees our corporate restaurants, all the most of the decisions, except for maybe two, were under his financial realm. I mean, he could have made those decisions without me. Well, I didn't really comment on those decisions. I sat there. Yeah. Because I'll let, let, let him do his job. He's right. wonderful. He does a wonderful job. Right. Let him do it. Yeah. I'm not going to get in his way. Well, what's excite- what are you looking forward to next, in, uh, Freddie? What's exciting for the future? You know, I get excited every time we open a restaurant the right way, the Freddie's way. And yeah. I think that's... Um, you know, we get the comment, well, how many are you going to build and what are you going to do and where are you going to be in 10 years? And no, I, I don't know where I'm going to be next week, like I do, but not two <laughs> weeks from now. Right. Um, so I think it's important just to continue to understand what has brought us to this table, what has brought us to the level we are right now, and to execute at that level every day and make sure our decisions are based on the same values and culture and everything that has brought us where we are today. You seem like a guy that's uh, values that flexibility, the ability to like, hey, look, we're going to strive for these processes. We're going to strive for perfection. But you understand that there's always some unknown variable, variable that's always going to bite you in the butt. It is. I mean, so yesterday we have a food trailer, and uh, and for whatever lovely reason, our generator and we're we're operating this thing uh, five or six days a week now. It's been a lot of fun. Our generator got stolen yesterday, so I went uh, in the morning. You know, we're off. Tra- oh. Heck, we have one today. We have an event today. We need a generator. We need a temporary solution. We need a permanent solution. Mm-hmm. So we divided that up, and uh, uh, the ops team took care of the temporary solution. And the permanent solution, I went to uh, a resource we have in the office. I said, hey, what do you know about generators? And he goes, not much. I go, you're not going to be able to say that in three hours. <laughs> and here's your task. Here's what happened. Here's what we need to know. Call trailer companies. Find out. What's the best practice here? We don't necessarily have to get what we used to have. Let's figure out the best solution for us long-term. And then I left, and uh, about 90 minutes later, he came back in my office. He said, all right, 
here's what we had, here's what it would cost. We can spend $5,000 more to do it this way. I believe it's the right way. And here's why. And security's better. And okay. And then uh, I called up Ben Simon, who's in charge of that area. And I said, hey, Ben, uh, here's where we are. And it's five grand to do it the right way. And he goes, I'm good. We're done. So we don't have to overcomplicate a decision. Yeah. And it's okay to make somebody an expert who has the capacity to become an expert quickly, which this person did. Uh, let them become an expert and help you make a great decision. I love that. I love that whole process. And that's why I loved operations. I think if someone really wants to understand <clears throat> what it means, because so many aspects of leadership are wrapped up in what you just said right there. I think this idea of, you know, as leaders, we got to have all the answers. And in that scenario you gave, you're like, okay, here's, you painted the sandbox, like yes. what we got to do. And then you turn the guy loose. The guy goes up, okay, this is what we got. And then, yeah. It, so there's a term that I love uh, that I've used for years called HPA, LPA. And you can say this to any of our managers. HPA, high payoff activity. LPA, low payoff activity. You know, understanding that for me, what I should be doing or what, and I should be letting people do their job. But more importantly, you know, when someone wakes up in the morning to understand that if you wake up and do something that you, you have somebody else that's supposed to do it, didn't do it, that's an LPA for you. Yeah. Low payoff activity. But if you're coming up with an idea to increase sales or marketing or whatever, that's a high payoff activity. And using that thought process on a daily basis really does help us all win. Yeah, it is the, that the, training the mind and training the people to, to have that decision-making ability. <clears throat> I think if there's any low-hanging fruit, if you want to start to turn the culture around, is getting people to make um, timely decisions, right? And we all want to make the right decision, but I think there's some, something to be said about making timely decisions. And timely decisions mean sometimes uh, you're not waiting around for the perfect solution. You're pulling the trigger. When you, in the Marine Corps, we call it 75% solution, right? It's like you get 75% of the information, pull the trigger and see what happens because it's better to make uh, a timely decision than it is to make the perfect decision too late. And, and you know what? I agree 100%. And I, a good friend uh, who used to say, you know, we're just paid to make more good decisions than bad decisions. That's right. We're not. And, and the, the important thing is when you do make a bad decision, what would you learn yeah. and who else knows that information so they don't do the same thing? Exactly. We, we know that, you know, there, there's so many things out in the world today with people trying to scam or whatever. Let's all learn from what we know and what we experience and share it and move forward. Yeah, because the path to... Whatever objective isn't a linear line. It's a jagged <laughs> and... Oh, it's not? Darn it. I thought it was. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been in my case anyway. Okay. <laughs> been, no, I love that though. I don't know. You, you just seem like I'm impressed with the culture of Freddy's. It, again, it, it sticks out to me and I didn't really know much about, you know, the, the aspects of your culture other than what I've experienced as a customer. Mm -hmm. But it always stood out to me. And, and like I said, I, I appreciate you sitting down and taking the time. Uh, what, how can people learn more about Freddy's? Uh, obviously, you're looking for more franchisees. You're look, always looking for people, uh, key stakeholders to help run the, run your businesses. How can people get in touch? You know, if you just go to our website at freddysusa.com, that will get you there. We now have a Freddy's app, a loyalty app, which is also going to turn into mobile ordering in a short period of time. But um, we're wide open. I'm, I'm readily available and accessible. I always say I'll meet with almost anybody for an hour. I'm probably going to regret saying that. And, um, but it's important. We have, um, we have a wonderful team that is always looking to grow and bring on the best of the best. Yeah. 
Well, appreciate you taking the time to, to talk about it. I mean, you certainly have aspects, um, both you individually and as the culture that we talk about on this show all the time. And I really think you're one of the guys that truly gets it. It's a company that truly gets it, in my opinion. So thanks for the time. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for your service to our country. Oh, thanks. It's very important as a, a son-in-law who's an active Marine. Yeah. Uh, I get it. <laughs> and uh, also heavily involved at, our, at McConnell, which is just an incredible organization. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series of Dose of Leadership brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure to subscribe to Dose of Leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts, all of my episodes, and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great day.